you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter 16. Also, if you would put, once you get your hand there, if you would also take your Bible and turn to the second Chronicles chapter 20. I'd like to continue our series on worship. When we speak of worship, I want you to know that worship is much more encompassing than the 25 to 30 minutes that people spend on a Sunday morning during the part of the service when they play music. Because a lot of times when people think of worship, they kind of limit it or compartmentalize it from the time that the first drum beat starts until the person stands up and says, let's pray. Worship goes much further than that. Now we're going to see in just a moment how powerful singing and praising God can be. There's something extremely powerful. It's a tool in your arsenal that's going to cause you to go further with the Lord, to cause you to receive from Him. Worship involves giving God what He rightfully deserves. As I said several weeks ago, He deserves our respect. He deserves our love, our honor, our surrender, our absolute obedience, and our wholehearted devotion. I was thinking of when Terry and Jody stock the shelves, or hand out food, it's an act of worship with our food bank. That's an act of worship. When Ron and Ernie go to the Lancaster County Prison and visit inmates, or we hold a service, and Howard plays his saxophone there, it's an act of worship. When Jess serves in the nurseries, caring for and loving those babies... It's an act of worship. When Al mows the lawn, when he comes down during the week and he gets on that mower and he starts that mower up, that's an act of worship because he's given it unto the Lord. He's serving as unto the Lord. When Anita sends out a card to someone who's sick or someone who's going through a difficult time and writes a little note, it's her worship unto the Lord because it's from her heart. When Liz teaches a class or... Logan coaches the middle school students in fine arts. It's not just busy stuff. When Pastor Rodney preaches on the book of Acts on Wednesday evening, all of those things are worship because they are done as unto the Lord. They're giving back because, God, you deserve my best. I don't want to call it a payment, but you deserve my service unto you. It's, it's because I love you and it's an expression from my heart. It's given from my heart because I care about you and I want to be involved in your work and in your kingdom. For me, I pay my tithe once a month. Each month I write out a check. And I would say this, I pay my tithe and I give my offerings. We pay tithes because tithes are holy. They belong to God. It's rightfully his. The offerings he allows me. God does not tell me, he doesn't allow me to say what the tithe is. He established the tithe. Okay. He established that. He says it's a tenth of whatever comes through my hands, it belongs to God. My offering is what I choose to give unto the Lord. What am I worth to you this week? And boy, that's doing it that way. I think I need to write another check. You know what I mean? We give our offerings because our offerings are an expression. It's an act of worship. It's not just a business transaction. It's not just a ritual. It is an acknowledgement that God, everything that came into this household came from you. You're my provider. You're the one who meets all of my needs. And so I recognize that. We're going to see this morning how worship has the power to affect change in your life 
But more importantly, see, if it was all about you, that would be okay. But can I tell you that this life is not all about you? Look to the person next to you and say, sorry to tell you. It's not all about you. When you think life is all about you, it's pretty small. But when you understand that God has a bigger purpose than just me, he has bigger plans than just me. And we're going to see in a moment how our worship impacts the lives of other people. It fulfills God's plan on the earth, whatever we worship. And so I want you to think about this for a minute. From scripture, we see that when Abraham worshiped the Lord, one of the ways that Abraham worshiped God was by taking his son Isaac on a walk. Do you remember that? He said, Isaac, we're going to go for a walk. Now, one of the things that Abraham didn't do, he didn't bind Isaac up until Isaac helped carry some of the wood and some of the stuff up. Do you know what I'm saying? So he's a smart dad. Part of Abram's worship, this was, listen to this. Now, if, if you feel like God's telling you to do this, we need to get you to a hospital pretty quickly, okay? But part of Abram's worship was to take his son, the son who he loved, the son who he had waited so long for, the son of promise. He was to take his son, and they were to go for a journey, and he was to bring the wood, and he built an altar, And then he puts the wood on the altar and then he gets his son and he lays his son on the altar and he is ready to sacrifice his son's life as an offering to God. That was part of Abram's worship. But as Abram goes ahead and he worships God in that way, God reveals himself to Abram by providing a lamb. But when he did that, he also revealed to him his name. I want you to think about this. There on the altar of sacrifice, God provided a ram for sacrifice. And God revealed himself to all of mankind that day as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. So now, thousands of years later, because Abraham was willing to worship God and to offer to God the thing that was the most important thing in his life to him, He was willing to do that. God revealed himself. In the midst of worship, God revealed himself to you for who he really is. But you won't be the only person who gets to experience that or share that. It'll impact other people's lives. Time and time again, how many times have you said to yourself, Lord, thank you that you're Jehovah Jireh. My God shall supply all of my needs. When you're up against it, I'm sure there's somebody in this room at some point or another, you have reminded yourself that God is Jehovah Jireh, that he owns the cattle on a thousand hill, that he knows your need before you ever even ask him. He knows what your need is. Now that revelation came about as a result of Abram worshiping God. When you worship, God reveals himself for who he really is. And you'll be able to experience that. Whenever you worship, God gives possession of treasures that you didn't work for. I'm going to say that again. When you worship the Lord, treasures are released into your life. Things that you didn't work for, things that you didn't earn, things that maybe in a lot of ways you didn't deserve. But as you worship God and as you praise him, he releases those treasures into your life. You say, well, pastor, where do you find that at? Well, in Joshua chapter 6, the strategy to conquer this walled city of Jericho. 
was. They're going to go and they're going to take possession of the land. And God said to him, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get the priest. We're going to walk around this city and have the priest blow the horn. I'm thinking like you find some kind of dynamite. You start hitting on the wall. You do something. No, you just go around and let the priest blow the trumpet. On the seventh day, I want you to walk around seven times. I want you to be quiet. And whenever the priest gives the signal, I want you to give a shout of praise. I want you to think about that. You walk around six times, six days in a row. Nothing seems to happen. The guy's blowing the horn. It would probably just be annoying. Like I would say maybe they woke him up real early. Hey, let's start real early. We'll get him out of bed. Maybe the priests weren't real good horn blowers, and maybe they just tried to annoy them with the sound of that. But the seventh time that they came around, they gave a shout of praise. They did as God commanded. They raised a shout of praise. And when they did, the walls came down and they took possession of the city and all of the possessions that were in that city. It was theirs. Listen to me. When you start to praise the Lord, there's treasures that are released in your life. And can I say this to you? When you begin to praise the Lord and worship him, There's things that are going to be released in your life that money can't ever buy and money can't touch. There's things of great value and of great worth that will be released in your life when you begin to praise the Lord. And you won't take possession of them. You need to hear this. You won't take possession of them until you follow the Lord's command to lift a shout of praise and to worship him. Until then, oftentimes those things are far out of your reach. Also, When you worship the Lord, God fights for you when you worship. He fights on your behalf. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the Moabites, the Ammonites, decided to go to war against King Jehoshaphat. And God gave them a unique way of dealing with this threat. Now, I don't know, maybe you've had some opposition that came up against you. Maybe for some reason or another, there were some people or some circumstances or some things that have decided to make war against you, to oppose you. King Jehoshaphat hears this news in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 21. It says, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing. That does not sound like a very good military strategy. Let's get the choir boys. That sounds absolutely foolish. It doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't sound like a very good strategy. I'm sure that the people around probably struggled with that a little bit. Can I say this to you? There's times whenever God calls you to praise and worship him, he calls you to do something that doesn't make sense in the natural realm. It's foolishness. Why would you ask me? This does not make any sense. They were to sing to the Lord and to praise him For the splendor of his holiness, as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. As they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir... They helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, 
They saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it all. Instead of being worn out from battle, all they did is they began. They didn't even get into the battle yet. They set into motion. Jehoshaphat set into motion. This is what we're going to do. We're facing an army that's bigger than us. We're facing a challenge that lays before us. What he did is he set into motion the plan. This is what we're going to do. We're going to praise the Lord. We're going to worship him. At the head of our army, we are going to set up people who will worship and praise the Lord for his goodness and for his mercy. Do you understand? They didn't even get to the battlefield yet. They just begin to praise him in advance, marching there. And when they get to the place where they can see where the battlefield's going to be, their enemy is already defeated. Honestly, I think you guys should be a whole lot happier than that. I just... <laughs> There's something really important for us to determine. I want to encourage you to praise the Lord on the right side. Anybody can praise the Lord whenever it's over and you got your way. And a lot of us have, well, this is what we've done. We've come to the point where we decide I will praise the Lord and I will worship him after he gives me what I want, after the battle is over, after the outcome has turned out in my favor. But you're missing You're missing the whole point. You're missing the strength that comes. You're missing the power that's released. You're missing all of the help that comes whenever you determine in advance, look, God, I'm praising you. I'm praising you in advance. It doesn't matter. I'm praising you before I get to the battle. I'm praising you for the opportunity to march out and to lift up your name and to work. I'm going to praise you now. So many people think you can't praise God until it's already over. That's not his heart. That's not where faith comes. Faith comes where you believe God even before the battle starts. Even before you get into it. Even before you just say, God, thank you for this opportunity. I thank you that you've already set me up to win. I thank you that the greater one is with me. I thank you that you're fighting on my behalf. Lord, you're worthy of my praise. You're worthy of my worship. And so that's what Jehoshaphat's army did. And by the time they get to the place where they can see the battle lines, they don't even have to fight. They're just tired from carrying off the spoils of war. Can you imagine that? Three days it took them. Three days of carrying away the prizes that God had for them. I want to speak with you this morning about worship that will open prison doors. And as I'm going to talk about that, I need to make something clear. There's a lot of people, when we talk about worship that will open prisons doors, they're like, oh, thank God. I need to get out of my situation. Am I talking to anybody? I just want to get out of my situation. Anything that will get me out of these problems, anything that will get me out of this difficult time, if I got to dance, I'll dance to get out of this situation. If I have to do jumping jacks to get out of my situation, If I have to do Holy Spirit gymnastics to get out, anything I got to do, I just want to get out of this bad place. I don't like this place I'm in. We need to get your heart and understand that God might not want to take you out of that place yet. Oh, man, that stinks. That's what some of you are saying. No, because all I want 
All I want is him to get me out. I just don't want to be here. I don't want to be in it. I don't see any good in it. All I want is to get out. You're missing, listen to me. If that's your attitude, if that's your heart, you're missing out on the great thing that God wants to do in and through your life. If we could change anything right now, I would love to change that part of you and me that just says, I'm in a bad place. The only thing I care about is just get me out of here. Get me out of these circumstances. Get me out of the situation. In the book of Acts, we have the account of Paul and Silas because I want you to see how God's going to work in this situation. We have the account of Paul and Silas traveling on one of their missionary journeys to the Roman colony of Philippi. There they met a female slave who was controlled by an evil spirit. Through this evil spirit, she predicted the future and made a whole lot of money for her owners. Whenever Paul and Silas come into town, this girl starts following them around and she starts shouting out, These men are servants of the Most High God. Who are telling you the way to be saved? She did this for a couple of days until the point she got on Paul's nerves. I hope that there's some things in the spirit to start to get on your nerves. It's all right. There's some things in the spirit that should trouble you. There's some things in the spirit that you should say, I've had enough of this. That's what happened for Paul and Silas. And Paul, he had enough of her disrupting. And he looked to her and he said to her, in the name of Jesus Christ... I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Bible tells us that the spirit left her. A couple of things I want you to recognize the authority that we have as believers. Do you realize that you have the power to bind and you have the power to loose? That you've been given a name that's above every name. You've been given authority that you were created and you were designed, that you are in Christ and Christ is inside of you, that he lives inside of you by his spirit. The Bible said that you can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and it'll be done. So you have authority. You have power resident inside of you. Now, as long as you don't believe that you won't act upon it. So you won't step out in faith. But he recognizes this evil spirit. He casts the evil spirit out of her. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and whatever it takes to make disciples. I'm adding that part. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So he sent us out with power. He sent us out with authority. When the owners realized that they were not going to make any more money off this woman, they grabbed Paul and Silas, and they dragged them into the marketplace. And they began to bring false accusations against them. Now, you do realize this, that Paul and Silas, Paul was a Roman citizen. There were a lot of rights that were afforded to a Roman citizen. People could not just do whatever they wanted to with Paul as a Roman citizen. The Jews, because they weren't Roman citizens, many of them, they could do all kinds of things to them. But because Paul was a Roman citizen, he had certain rights that belonged to him. The people began to bring false accusations against him. A group of locals joined in this attack and the magistrate ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they were beaten, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. In that time also, if a jailer was entrusted with a prisoner, 
it was life for life. So if you lost them, you had to give your life for theirs in exchange for the life of the prisoner. Now, because Philippi was a Roman colony, it's assumed that the jailer would have probably been a retired Roman soldier. Typically, those were not gifted with the gift of hospitality. In the Roman soldiers, the jailer's spiritual gift quiz, he probably might not get mercy and hospitality, caring for the needs of others. But can I say this to you? God wanted to change that Roman jailer's family. He wanted to change his destiny. He wanted to change his whole future. And he wanted people throughout the ages to be able to hear about it, to be able to talk about it. He wanted people to, even now, 2,000 years ago, we're still talking about this guy and what God did through his life and how God changed him. The Roman jailer, whenever he's given Paul and Silas, he puts him in the depths of the prison. And the Bible tells us specifically that they fastened their feet in stocks. I think it's important whenever the scripture tells us things, all scriptures God breathed, And so it's important for us to understand the nuances of Scripture. They didn't put your feet in stocks to make things easy on you. Oftentimes, that was not only to keep control of them, but it was also to cause them more pain, to cause them to be even more uncomfortable. We do understand that inside the prison, our prisons aren't the greatest now, but I can guarantee you they are much nicer than the prisons then. There would not have been running water. There wasn't plumbing. It would have been dirty. It would have been filthy. It would have been a place that smelled. It would have been a place that they have people locked up there. They can't get out. It's a pit. It's a hole. You don't ever want to be in there. The smells, you don't want to go back there. On top of that, Paul and Silas had just been beaten. They were beat with rods. They didn't leave their shirts on. They stripped them to beat them. So their backs would have been laid bare. You would not like the inner part of the prison, okay? If you got OCD and want to clean everything up, it wouldn't go well. I don't know if if Paul had OCD or anything, but it was not a good place. I want you to listen to what the Word of God says. And here's the reason. Because some of you have been put in places you didn't want to be put in. You've had circumstances that have happened in your life. Certainly wasn't fair. A lot of us, if that would have happened, we'd have been questioning God. You'd been questioning your call. A lot of us, what we would do is we'd question our call. We'd question if we heard God right. We'd wonder what we did wrong. God, where didn't I hear you? Why are you mad at me? Maybe God wasn't mad at him at all. Maybe some of the painful places that you're in have a greater purpose than what you'll ever realize on this side. Maybe no human understanding and no human reasoning will be able to explain to you God's purposes and his plans. And maybe our minds at this point, in this state that we're in, can't even comprehend what God is doing. Just maybe. Here Paul and Silas are. They followed God's will. They followed his direction. They went and they preached. And they cast a demon out of a girl, and you'd think everybody would be happy. But instead, they beat him and throw him into prison, put him in stocks. But at midnight, listen to this. 
At midnight, Paul and Silas were questioning God and angry. Is that what it says, Al? I heard Al in the back. At midnight, Paul and Silas were complaining. At midnight, Paul and Silas were saying, I'm not doing any more missions work. That's it. I'm going back to my tent making job. That's it. I'm out of here. Now, listen to what it says. They were doing two simple things that any of us can do. You don't have to be a superhero to sing. You don't have to be that tough to pray. You don't have to be really talented to do either one of those things. But there were two things that they were doing. They were praying and singing hymns to God. It doesn't say that Paul and Silas broke out their keyboard and their guitar. They didn't have any instruments at all. They were using their voices and they were praying and singing hymns to God. And this is a really important line. And the other prisoners were listening to them. You should underline that in your Bible. Because some of you are in a difficult situation. You don't deserve to be there, but the other prisoners are listening to you. Some of the other prisoners deserve to be there. Maybe you don't deserve to be in your situation or in your circumstances, but in your difficult place, the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. I want you to notice that the walls weren't shaken. The very foundations of the prison were shaken. The very thing that held people captive, the very thing that was marked as, boy, you don't want to go there, you don't want to be in that position, you don't want to be in that place, the very foundations of that prison were shaken. At once, all, everybody say all, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's, say everyone's, everyone's, not just Paul's, not just Silas's. See, there's a worship that can cause all the doors to come open and all the chains in that prison to come loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners have escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them. I want you to see the miracle. It's a hardcore soldier. He don't give a rip about these inmates. Remember, he doesn't have a gift of hospitality or mercy. I can guarantee you when you saw his spiritual gifts, it was not hospitality and mercy. But at that hour... Of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and his whole household were baptized. I don't know, maybe some of the same water that washed their wounds was the same source of water that provided baptism for that Roman jailer and his whole household. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And listen, look what it says. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. 
he and his whole household. Now we need to understand this, that Paul and Silas were ordinary people like you and me. They had feelings and they had emotions. If you hit them, they felt pain. If you beat them, they bled. If you put them in stocks, it was uncomfortable. They were doing the right things, sharing the gospel, yet they were mistreated and misunderstood. They were beaten and abused, thrown into the depths of the prison, yet when we hear about them, what were they doing? They were praying and singing hymns of praise. Whatever song they sang, it was about the goodness of the Lord. It was a song of praise. As I said to you earlier, it's going to be important that we learn to praise him on the right side of your difficulty, of your trial, of your experience. Anybody can praise him once it's over. Anybody can praise him when it's done. But you miss out and other people miss out on the purpose of your trial, on the purpose of your experience. Other people miss out whenever you fail to praise him. I'm speaking to some people who have experienced unjust pain and suffering. Paul and Silas were not licking their wounds or complaining or even trying to figure it out. Is anybody here ever just try to figure out, God, what are you doing? I don't understand. Do any of you spend time reasoning? I'm trying to get my mind around why this is going on. I'm trying to comprehend it. I'm trying to learn. God, is there a lesson that I missed on? Is there something I don't know? Is there some message you want to get to me? Yes, there is. Praise him in the middle. Praise him at the beginning. He's wanting us to praise him in advance. There's going to be things you're not going to understand. There's going to be lessons. Not everything is that you've done something wrong and that God is, okay, I'm going to to put the pressure on you till you get it right. It's not that. As I said, they weren't complaining or licking their rooms. They were singing praise to God. And all the other prisoners were listening. People are listening to you right now. There's people around. People who will be reached in no other way than through you. But it was not just the prisoners that were listening. God, the maker of heaven and earth, was listening. He knew their pain. He knew their discomfort. Yet in spite of it, they still had a song of praise. They still chose to worship. And he responded to their praise by suddenly. Can I tell you that sometimes you're going to wait on God and you're going to wait on God and nothing seems to happen. And then suddenly he answers. Then suddenly he sent an earthquake. It wasn't just any earthquake. There have been a lot of earthquakes that came, people in prison. And the earthquakes caused the prison to fall in on them and kill them. Okay, I guarantee you. There's been a lot of earthquakes that come that brought destruction. The amazing thing about this earthquake is that this earthquake caused the prison doors to come open and this earthquake caused the chains to fall off of the people. The things that held him captive. As I said to you, the jailer woke up and drew his sword, but Paul told him not to harm himself because they were all there. When your focus is upon praise, it's no longer such a rush to get out of your situation. Some of you, you're in such a rush. I know people, you're in such a rush to get out of your situation and you run out of that situation into an even a worse situation. 
Do you know what I'm saying? You just want to quit hurting. You just want it to stop. And the minute that any doors come open, you just go running out. You just, man, this has got to be God. It must be that I got to get out of this place. It must be that I got to get out of this situation. It must be that I got to change these circumstances. Only to run into a more painful situation. I need to encourage someone. Don't be in such a rush. Don't be in such a rush to get out of your painful situation. Maybe there's something greater that God is trying to accomplish. See, he had a purpose. The salvation of a whole household. God was going to save a whole household. God was going to take a hardened jailer and cause him to be the one who, and maybe in some ways, helped to inflict the pain upon him. He had a greater purpose. The doors that flew open and the chains that fell off were not just the doors that held Paul and Silas captive. There was a whole bunch of other people who God wanted to set free. Your worship and your praise is much more important than what you realize. Your worship and your praise, your, listen to me, your worship and your praise, if it's all it is is that worship that opens prison doors, that's just you getting out of this difficult situation until there's another difficult situation. Because can I tell you that there will be? There'll be other trials and difficulties that come. Their worship and their praise led to liberty and freedom to others. It led to life transformation for that jailer. What is God working in your life? What purpose does God have that's bigger than what you can even see or imagine? Here we are 2,000 years later talking about Paul and Silas worshiping and praising God. Our lives are being touched by that. Now, here's my question for you. 10,000 years from now, when we're standing around the throne, what story are they going to tell about you? What person who's redeemed? What family? Their lives have been transformed because of your worship and your praise. Whose prison doors... Will your life open up because you chose to praise God? Because you chose to trust God? Who's watching you that 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 years from now around the throne, they'll recount it? And let me tell you what I saw. I worked with Dwayne. I was a neighbor of Dwayne. This is what I saw. This is how God opened my prison door. We're talking about theirs 2,000 years. Don't doubt for a minute. I'm telling you, people are going to be talking about me. I've already made up my mind. Where's Pastor Joe? They're going to be talking about Pastor Joe. Kids are going to be talking about Eddie. There's people who are going to be talking about you. A million years from now, around the throne, they're going to be recounting the grace of God that they saw. And it came a result of pain. It came a result of difficulty. But because they chose to worship the Lord, whole households were saved. Father, I pray today that we determine in our heart that you already deserve our praise. You deserve our worship. As we look at Paul and Silas's life, I thank you that we can sing a song of praise and we can worship you. And as a result, not only do we escape our situation, but something greater than that happens. Liberty and freedom. Whole households being saved. Father, I thank you for the work that you're doing, and I thank you that you're causing us to have a spirit of praise and of thanksgiving to overwhelm our hearts because people are watching. My son and my daughter, they're watching. 
My neighbor is watching. My friend is watching. And Father, we thank you that you're going to open doors and you're going to suddenly move on our behalf. Be glorified in all that we say and do. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Amen.